The Chinese Communist Party, the most powerful force for evil in the world, is rapidly building up its military. Its gaze focused on Taiwan as the CCP plans to establish a new authoritarian world order and undermine the United States. To achieve its goals, the CCP relies on an absolutely massive espionage program. CCP spies are in our midst, and they are stealing our military technology. The facts will shock you. Then, it's a dark day in America as President Trump is arraigned in Manhattan on baseless criminal charges. It's a political persecution, and it marks a turning point in American history. The left has crossed the Rubicon, and nothing will ever be the same. In addition, Bud Light betrays its customers by embracing the radical transgender agenda. Marjorie Taylor Greene goes on 60 Minutes, and the Covenant Presbyterian Church holds its first service following the tragic anti-Christian shooting at the Covenant Presbyterian School in Nashville. I'm Doug Wardlow, and this is Founding Principles. It is time to go on offense. This is Founding Principles with Doug Wardlow. They are everywhere. Our businesses, factories, universities, and even our government are crawling with them. Chinese Communist Party spies have infiltrated every facet of our society in a grand operation to steal cutting-edge technology and make Communist China the technological equal of the United States. These spies, most of whom blend into our society by appearing to function and live normally like everyone else, scour their environments for even the smallest bits of potentially useful information. Like a thousand grains of sand, those bits of information from spies in America and the world over are pieced together back in communist China to form the greatest intellectual property theft in human history. And the CCP spies literally are everywhere. Back in late 2020, a database of around 2 million Chinese Communist Party members found its way from a Chinese dissident server in Shanghai to the Western media. The Eurasian Times reported that, quote, the leaked information has it all. CCP members' party positions, birth dates, national ID numbers and ethnicities, and 79,000 branches, many of them inside companies, universities, and even government agencies. It is a first-of-its-kind discovery showing how the CCP has infiltrated America and the entire Western world. The Daily Mail reported on it in December of 2020. AstraZeneca, Rolls-Royce, HSBC, Jaguar Land Rover, Volkswagen, Airbus, Boeing, and Pfizer were just a few of the companies infiltrated. The list goes on and on and on. There is hard evidence that communist China is embedding its most loyal followers and dedicated followers into key areas of Western society. But it isn't just big-name companies under threat. Research universities are also primary targets for CCP espionage. In October 2022, four PRC nationals were charged with espionage-related crimes after a nearly decade-long investigation. The DOJ said the four spies' mission was to recruit university professors and law enforcement officials to become agents for the communist Chinese government. The U.S. Attorney's Office in New Jersey wrote a press release concerning the incident that contained a stark warning. Quote, this indictment drives home the fact that the intelligence risk posed by the MSS, that is, the Chinese Ministry of State Security, continues to be real, ever-present, and significant. Everyone in the United States, and especially those in academic, business, military, or government positions that have access to sensitive information or equipment, should take heed of the risks that the MSS poses to our democracy and way of life. Close quote. There are many more similar examples of CCP espionage. Just this year, the DOJ warned more than 60 universities about the ongoing threat of PRC nationals infiltrating the American university system as agents of communist China. Their goal is to send as much technological information back to the CCP as possible. And many of the PRC nationals who serve as spies in America are card-carrying members of the CCP. Now, becoming a member of the Chinese Communist Party is no small thing. There are about 90 million party members, but only 1 in 10 applicants receive final approval. 
And when they do, they take an oath of loyalty. That loyalty oath reads like this, quote, it is my will to join the Communist Party of China, uphold the party's program, observe the provisions of the party constitution, fulfill a party member's duties, carry out the party's decisions, strictly observe party discipline, and guard party secrets, be loyal to the party, work hard, fight for communism throughout my life, be ready at all times to sacrifice my all for the party, the people, and never betray the party, close quote. Those who join are essentially giving their lives to the party, to the movement, and now that Xi Jinping is the leader for life, to the Chinese premier as well. This is nothing like becoming a member of the Democrat or Republican Party here. It isn't like joining a fraternity or a union or something like that. Members of the CCP are expected to put party above everything. Their loyalty is to party first, before family, before God, before everything. In fact, officially, CCP members are not allowed to believe in God. The CCP does not accept applications from members of any religion. For members of the CCP, the party is their God, and they must be ready to sacrifice their lives to the party and the party state without hesitation. In other words, all those Chinese Communist Party members embedded in America are not loyal to whatever company or entity they have been placed with, or to our country, certainly. They are only there for the gain of the CCP, and their mission is to help the CCP overtake America. And for that to happen, matching Western technology is a must. Every CCP member living abroad is, is a potential spy, and more likely, they are actively spying. And we don't know the true number of spies. The database obtained from the Chinese dissident server was only one list, and there are certainly others. Also, those individuals didn't get into the positions they are in on their own. As members of the party, those types of decisions are made far above in the party apparatus. Each one of them was put there for a specific reason. They are all part of the CCP's grand espionage plan. So, what has that grand plan done for communist China? Well, let's start by looking at the F-35. The F-35 is America's premier multi-role fighter aircraft with three different versions, each specifically tailored to the Air Force, Navy, and Marine Corps. It replaces a host of legacy aircraft, including the A-10, F-16, F-18, and the AV-8B. The U.S. already has about 900 F-35s, and we are scheduled to take delivery of a total of nearly 2,000. In other words, the F-35 is meant to be the embodiment of American air power for the next 10 to 20 years at least. And China stole it. Enter Su Bin, a 50-year-old PRC citizen who had permanent residency in Canada where he ran the Vancouver office of Beijing-based Load Technologies. Peacefully living in Canada with his wife and two kids, no one suspected he was involved in one of the greatest spy heists of all time. Working with two People's Liberation Army officers, Su Bin was part of a global hacking operation that stole sensitive information from many of the world's most advanced defense companies. Arrested in Canada in 2014, he eventually pleaded guilty in 2016 to working with those officers to gather military technology and send it back to China. A 50-page criminal complaint filed by the FBI in June of 2014 detailed the extent of the hacking. They stole data on dozens of U.S. military projects, including the F-35 and F-22 stealth fighters, and broke into the networks of many companies, including Boeing and Lockheed Martin. On March 23, 2016, after two years of investigation, the U.S. Attorney for the Central District of California said in a press release regarding Sue's plea agreement that Sue, quote, admitted to conspiring with two persons in China from October 2008 all the way through March 2014 to gain unauthorized access to protected computer networks in the United States, including computers belonging to the Boeing Company in Orange County, California, to obtain sensitive military information and to export that military information illegally from the United States back to China. In his emails, Sue claimed to have obtained F-35 plans and blueprints that would, quote, allow China to catch up rapidly with U.S. levels and stand easily on the giant's shoulders, close quote. 
So take a look at the F-35 compared to China's new J-20 fighter. For those of you listening to the audio podcast, we are looking at side-by-side photos of the two aircraft. And the similarities, they are absolutely stunning. Indeed, they look almost identical in, in pretty much every respect, with the exception of a couple of canards on the front. Now take a look at the F-35 side-by-side with a picture of the PRC's J-31 stealth fighter currently in development. Again, the similarities are uncanny. It's very clear that the PRC successfully stole the plans for the F-35. Now take a look at the cockpits of the F-35 and the Chinese J-20 side-by-side. There is absolutely no way that the J-20 was developed independently by the Chinese. It's the F-35's identical twin. Almost everyone in the military and defense industry communities agree that those Chinese aircrafts are mostly copied from stolen U.S. technology, principally from the F-35 fighter program, but also some from the F-22. But Su Bin's espionage wasn't limited to the F-35 program. His single massive act of espionage also gathered up information on dozens of other U.S. military projects. And Su Bin's espionage isn't the only data breach or hacking attack against the United States by the CCP. How many other CCP espionage and hacking operations that we don't know about have been successful? And is our government hiding the true extent of China's espionage from the American people? These are very important questions. You see, a pattern has been emerging. The U.S. comes out with a new weapon system, and within a few short years, communist China comes out with something that looks eerily similar. Take China's VT-15 light tank, for example. Here we've got the side-by-side pictures up again. It looks a lot like General Dynamics' mobile protected firepower system. And sure enough, there are rumblings that the communists stole data on that project as well. Same with the MQ-9 Reaper drone. Here it is pictured side-by-side with the CCP's CH-5 Rainbow drone. For those of you who can't see the visuals, the CCP drone appears to be almost an exact replica of the MQ-9 Reaper. Even the CCP's new Type 3 Fujian-class aircraft carrier bears a striking resemblance to the newest U.S. carrier, the USS Gerald Ford. But you get the point. But probably the most disturbing aspect about this communist Chinese espionage explosion involves a different lab, the Los Alamos Research Lab. Yes, that's the research lab that produced the atomic bomb toward the end of World War II. A 2022 report by Strider Technologies revealed that the CCP has been hard at work gathering information from PRC nationals working at our top nuclear weapons lab. The report states, quote, between 1987, all the way back to 1987, and 2021, at least 162 scientists who had worked at Los Alamos returned to China to support a variety of domestic research and development programs there. Since returning to China, Los Alamos alumni have helped China advance key military and dual-use technologies in areas such as hypersonics, deep earth-penetrating warheads, unmanned autonomous vehicles, jet engines, and submarine noise reduction, close quote. According to the report, so many Los Alamos scientists have returned to China that they have their own name there, the Los Alamos Club. We trained them. They have been working in our labs starting in the 80s, and then they returned to China with all their newfound knowledge to enhance the CCP military. That's just plain frightening. But the CCP uses more than just human spies. Now, after Biden allowed a CCP spy balloon to traverse the entire country, gathering intelligence along the entire way, senior administration officials very recently revealed some very disturbing information. They admitted that China was able to control the balloon to the extent that it made several figure eights as it floated high above sensitive military sites, including the nuclear missile silo field at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana. And they admitted that the balloon was able to transmit the signals intelligence it was collecting directly back to Beijing in real time. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder further revealed that Chinese high-altitude spy balloons have been detected over Latin America, South America, 
Southeast Asia, East Asia, and Europe in recent years, so all over the world. Yes, human espionage just isn't enough for the CCP. They must also crisscross the globe with spy balloons, gathering signals intelligence, supplementing their human operatives' efforts. That is the measure of the CCP's resolve. The CCP will leave no stone unturned in its efforts to remove the United States from our position at the pinnacle of the free world and usher in a new world order that is decidedly not free. But Biden and the left do not appreciate the gravity of, or the immediacy of this threat. In early 2022, Joe Biden ended President Trump's China Initiative, a program aimed at countering CCP espionage with resources dedicated to identifying and then prosecuting CCP spies. But Biden thought the program had an anti-Asian bias, even though nothing about the program targeted anyone based on race. So he got rid of it. Indeed, the program was very sensitive to the fact that the CCP is increasingly recruiting non-ethnic Chinese individuals to conduct espionage operations. But Biden and the woke left aren't concerned about facts or the truth. They saw an opportunity to virtue signal, so they eliminated the very important program entirely. Meanwhile, the CCP continues to steal advanced military technology from us to fund the largest military buildup seen since the height of the Cold War. The last Cold War, that is. We are now in the midst of the second Cold War, this time with communist China as the main enemy. We must restart Trump's China initiative, but this time with even more teeth. In the same way that we must cripple China economically, we must dismantle their worldwide espionage operation. The CCP is unable to compete with us technologically. Otherwise, they would not be putting so much effort into stealing our technology. It would be easier and likely much more profitable in the long run for them to develop all this technology on their own with their own defense companies, but they can't or they would have done it by now. So, nope, they have to steal it. Their military-industrial complex is no match for the likes of ours, you know, the likes of Boeing and Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, and the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, and all the other U.S. companies and entities that drive military innovation in the United States. In other words, this should be an easy win for us. All we have to do is stop the CCP from spying. If we stop their spying, then we stop the CCP's military development dead in its tracks. And we know where and generally how they spy. We have caught them in the past. We just need more emphasis on CCP espionage. It must be a top priority to stop it for our leaders. Joe Biden just doesn't get it, and his family's financial ties to CCP-linked entities call into question Biden's willingness to take on the CCP at all. What we need is the leadership of President Trump. He's the only president who recognized the CCP for the criminal organization that it is, and he's the only president who is actively dealing with a multifaceted threat of the CCP, including the threat of CCP espionage. With Trump back in charge, the U.S. will no doubt once again start fighting CCP espionage in a serious manner. And once we do that, the rest will fall into place. We need to scour our universities for PRC agents. We need to screen PRC nationals who are working and studying in the United States. And we need to find any members of the Chinese Communist Party in the United States, period. All CCP members are a potential threat. Obviously, our current efforts are insufficient. We catch CCP spies too late or not at all. That must change immediately. If we do not act quickly and decisively to stop the CCP's massive espionage program, our culture and our freedoms will be scattered to the winds like a thousand grains of sand. And now it's time for Behind the Headlines. If you like the content that we're providing, go ahead and like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the podcast, give us a five-star rating. Doing each of those things helps us tremendously. Now on to behind the headlines. First, today is arraignment day for President Trump in New York City. So it's a very dark day for our republic because the mechanisms of the law itself have been transformed into a weapon. 
And that weapon has been trained on the political enemies of the radical leftists who control the prosecutor's office, namely George Soros-backed Manhattan DA Elvin Bragg. And don't forget, Elvin Bragg ran on a campaign promise of prosecuting Trump. So it's very, very, very clear that this entire episode is 100% political. What we are witnessing is nothing less than the abandonment of the rule of law itself in the service of a purely political agenda. Just look at the charges being brought. We just learned that what the charges are today when the indictment was unsealed. There are 34 different charges. All of them relate to falsification of business records. But of course, that would be a misdemeanor, and the statute of limitations has run on that, so Elvin Bragg wouldn't be able to bring that charge on its own, so he amplified it. He, he tied it to another charge. He tied it to an alleged federal campaign finance uh, violation in order to convert the state law misdemeanor into a felony. And that felony would then have a longer statute of limitations. Of course, if you go through the indictment, I understand that it doesn't describe the uh, underlying federal charge or, or what that even is. So it doesn't even put President Trump on notice of what he's really being charged with in any kind of full sense. So the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous, and it needs to be thrown out on a motion to dismiss. Who knows if the judge will actually do that? I'm sure the lawyers for Trump will bring a motion to dismiss, and, and, and rightfully so. At least it's important to do that to make the record uh, for appeal. Now, that federal charge is based on the ridiculous notion, and the federal charge is not brought, just referred sort of tangentially, but not actually spelled out in the complaint, but, but that's what's converting this into a felony at the state level. It's based on the ridiculous notion that Trump's alleged hush money payments to Stormy Daniels should have been reported as in-kind in campaign contributions. That hasn't been prosecuted by any federal prosecutor, and the FEC passed up on it. The fed two federal prosecutors passed up on it, reviewed the charges, didn't bring them. Why? Because there's no precedent for this. It's a ridiculous and baseless theory, even just at the federal level. Add the state-level ridiculous manipulations, it's even more silly and unsound. The fact that all the charges are based on an incredibly weak and never-before-tested legal theory, theory points directly to the political nature of this prosecution, which in reality is nothing more than a persecution. Now, things don't go well for countries that turn away from the rule of law. Just look at ancient Rome. President Trump is the first president to be criminally indicted in our country, but he won't be the last. If the government can use the law as a weapon to persecute President Trump, they can and will do the same thing to all of us. So by indicting President Trump without any legal basis and for purely political reasons, the left really has crossed the Rubicon and they are marching on Rome. Nothing will ever be the same. If we are to have any chance at saving our republic, President Trump must win the next election and then clear out the swamp, end the parade of anti-constitutional, anti-rule of law abuses being perpetrated against us by the left. That means putting a stop to the Biden administration's massive censorship via big tech operation. It means completely taking apart and rebuilding federal law enforcement agencies, including the FBI, from the ground up. It means ending Merrick Garland's use of the DOJ to target Christians and to target pro-life advocates and to target parents who speak up at school board meetings. And it means ending each and every political abuse of the law and bringing all civil and criminal legal enforcement activities back under the governance of the Constitution. We, the Republican Party, must become the party of the rule of law and the party of the Constitution. Because if we lose the Constitution and if we lose the rule of law, then we lose all of our freedoms and we will all be under the heel of the boot of a terrible leftist totalitarianism. So today is indeed a dark day and it marks a turning point in our history. It's the beginning of the final battle for the American Republic, for freedom, and for the idea that the law is not a mere tool for politicians, but rather the law is a higher rule that must be followed by everyone, especially the politicians. It shouldn't be transformed by some group of leftist politicians into a weapon and trained on their political opponents. That is simply wrong. To win this battle, we must all focus on taking meaningful and bold and peaceful action. Remember, the radical left wants people on the right to react aggressively and to lash out violently. 
They want violence. They want chaos. They want riots. They want carnage. Of course, we folks on the right, we're not like that. We don't engage in violence. But that's what they want. They want that because leftists in control of the federal government want an excuse to crack down in force. They are looking for a reason to impose a national police state. They are looking for another January 6th. They are looking actively for a justification to label all conservatives as terrorists. They will seize on any violence or unrest to use the full power of the government to suppress all dissent and usher in a new leftist totalitarian era. And that would indeed spell the final death of the American Republic. So speak up, speak truth, and take meaningful, peaceful action. Get involved actively in politics, actively, and support truly bold, constitutional, conservative candidates at every level. Just as importantly, find and actively oppose the moderate, weak rhino Republicans who don't understand the stakes of the current battle. The half measures of the rhinos only aid the decline and fall of our constitutional republic. I can tell you that here in my home state of Minnesota, we need a complete cleanout of the leadership of our state's Republican Party and a complete rejection of our overly moderate and weak consultant class. The same can likely be said of many states around the country. And very importantly, pray for America, pray for Donald Trump, and pray for peace, because we now find ourselves in a time of unparalleled danger. All right, second up today. Budweiser, Bud Light, is making the news because of two new advertising ventures. First, Bud Light reportedly has made Dylan Mulvaney, so-called trans activist and pretend woman, its new brand ambassador. Now, I'm fairly certain that most drinkers of Bud Light are not radical gender activists. Now, advertisers usually try to identify their target audience, the likely consumers of the product at issue, and then tailor their advertising to entice that audience to purchase and consume their product, right? It's very simple. In this case, however, the advertiser, Budweiser, Bud Light, doesn't seem to care at all about the people who consume their product. Instead, they appear to be using advertising as a method to try to change and alter the social and political views of Bud Light drinkers. Now, consider the Dylan, consider Dylan, the, the Dylan Mulvaney spokesman, or rather spokes pretend woman, or whatever you want to call her or him, news in connection with Bud Light's second new advertising move. That is this, Bud Light is issuing a new pride beer can in what I assume will be a limited release of some kind. So, okay, let's consider who drinks Bud Light. Is the image of a typical Bud Light drinker a San Franciscan man bun soy latte drinking vegan left winger? Or is it more likely a blue collar and red state American? Of course, it's the second one. Bud Light, they know this too. So it's pretty clear that Budweiser is showing contempt for the people who consume their products. Budweiser corporate elites want to change those people and change America. They want to push their politics and their leftism on their consumers, and that is unacceptable. You know, we've recently seen a few NHL players mount a successful boycott of this LGBTQIA plus nonsense. Just a few players have potentially nixed the NHL's planned Pride Night entirely. So if you drink Bud Light, consider switching to Coors Light. The Coors Company has been more or less, at least to this point, immune to woke leftist politics. Successful boycotts are tough, but it's about time we stop giving money to companies that despise us and worked, work against us. All right, third up today. Marjorie Taylor Greene was interviewed by Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes, and it was interesting to say the least. Now, MTG, Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene, is a true conservative firebrand. And she kept it lively wading through the leftist swamp that is 60 Minutes. In the most part, uh, in the most viewed part of the interview, MTG doubled down on her past claims that the Democrats are the party of pedophiles. Here's how it went. Leslie Stahl started off saying, the Democrats are a party of pedophiles, repeating Green's prior claims. MTG replied, I would definitely say so. They support grooming children. 
Stahl pushed back, responding, well, they are not pedophiles. Why would you say that? She was apparently indignant. MTG explained, well, even Joe Biden, the president himself, supports children being sexualized and having transgender surgery. Sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children. Stahl was then stunned into silence. She couldn't speak. She just said, wow, and, and looked stunned. Didn't know what to say. Now, MTG's language was obviously meant to be inflammatory, to garner attention, and that worked. She is a national political figure, and being at center stage is important for her to get her brand out. And she's also good for the conservative movement because she reaches a lot of people. Are all Democrats pedophiles? No, of course not, and that's not what MTG claimed. She has spoken a lot about the Democrats being the party of pedophiles, and there could be no debate that the Democrats are indeed the party that supports sexualizing children. Just look at what conservatives are trying to keep out of classrooms and what Democrats are trying to keep in. The types of books being pushed by liberal activists can't be read or shown on television because of how graphic they are. Yet the left wants them in schools where children have access to them. The left is also fighting to make sure that children can be exposed to drag shows, where adult men dress up as women and dance provocatively. Some of these shows have even included participation in the, in the dancing by children. It's, it's terrible. It's depraved. It is evil. And of course, Democrats are just in general pushing the trans agenda, opposing bills that would ban so-called gender transition surgeries for kids. So is the Democrat Party the party of pedophiles? Well, if they don't want to be labeled that way, then they should probably start opposing the sexualization and the grooming of children. They should rejoin the decent parts of society that want to protect the innocence of children, keep kids from harm, strengthen families, and safeguard the morals of our society. Fourth and finally today, the Covenant Presbyterian Church held its first church service since the terrible act of anti-Christian trans-terrorism that took the lives of three school kids and three adults in Nashville. During the service, the pastor spoke about the fact that the world had been changed forever since the congregation last met. And then he said this, quote, Today is the day that we are reminded by our king, who lived for us and who died for us and who has risen for us. Today is the day that he reminds us of the things that have not changed, of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let that draw us to offer God worship with reverence and awe. Well, amen to that. In the midst of terrible tragedy and loss, believers in the one true God can rest assured that Christ's work on the cross has assured us life eternal. It's easy to get caught up in the politics and the policy debates, and certainly those things are extremely important, but they are emanations of a larger spiritual battle, and that spiritual battle is rooted in much higher questions. It is rooted in man's search for meaning and existential questions. It is rooted in the question of what God intends for us to do with our time on this earth, how God wants us to live, and where we are going after the curtain falls on this world. As we draw near to Easter, let us remember that God has given us the answers to those questions. He answered those questions in the person of Christ Jesus, who suffered death on the cross and rose again, paying the price for our otherwise irredeemable sins, and in so doing, redeeming us and opening the door to salvation. So, even as we mourn loss and tragedy here on earth, let us take comfort in the truth that those who are taken from us, like the six victims at the Covenant School, they are in the eternal kingdom, never to feel pain of any kind ever again, and we will one day rejoice as we are reunited with them. Well, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for watching or for listening. If you like the content that we're providing, please go ahead and drop a comment in the comment section, like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the podcast, give us a five-star rating. Doing those things helps us tremendously. It helps us grow the show and multiply its impact. And happy Easter. We're going to be taking Easter and Good Friday and Easter off and then returning with the next episode of Founding Principles, the Tuesday following Easter. We'll see you then.